Well, good morning again. Oh, man, it's a good day. It's always a good day when we have baptisms, but today we have seven. Oh, it's going to be so exciting. I love seeing our kiddos here on the front uh, row. It's just awesome. I'm just so proud of each of you, and it's just going to be a great day. Uh, it's hard to believe, though, that we're in the Advent season. I don't know about y'all, but... As I've been doing Christmas shopping and thinking about all the things, I just feel like there's just no way we can be here. But we sure enough are. Does anybody else feel that way? Am I the only one that's like, oh, okay, good. Tis the season, they say. Tis the season. But we are uh, continuing our series talking about the themes of Christmas. And as I was thinking about these themes and and the good news, right, all the great stuff that Christ brought with him when he was born in that manger 2,000 years ago, I thought, this is a good question for each of us to ask. Are we experiencing these themes? Are we familiar with them? I mean, granted, there may be some that we have a lot more of or we feel a lot more comfortable with than others. Last week, we talked about peace. Are we feeling that peace? Do we know that peace that passes all understanding? Today we're talking about hope. Do we have hope no matter what's happening in our lives? Do we know Christ's great love so much that it's easy for us to let it flow over in our communication with other people, in serving other people? Have we experienced that new life? Can we look back and see the things that we used to do, that we used to cling to, that today we know we don't have to? because we have Jesus in our lives? Do we feel the joy that comes from each day awakening to the good stuff that God is doing? Are we seeing the light in the midst of the darkness? Do we know the good news? And are we sharing the good news with others? You'll know with each one of these themes, there's the version we know as Christians, but there's also a worldly version, and of course there is. The enemy doesn't want us to truly grasp God's concept of these things. The enemy lies to us. And it goes no different when we talk about hope. There is a worldly version of hope. And it's this wishy-washy way that we use it. And we, we use it all the time, and I'm definitely guilty of it. Oh, I hope my team shows up today and wins the game. I hope they play really, really well. I hope my kids wake up in a good mood. We use hope as a wish a lot of times. That's what we throw it out there about. But a disciple's understanding of hope is very, very different. And Israel, in the scripture we're going to talk about today, Israel was in desperate need of hope. The Christian hope. The hope that we know and we hold fast to in God. They had broken their covenant with God over and over and over again. And because of that, they were a broken people. They had no hope because they had lost touch with the God who is hope. At this point uh, in Isaiah 40, which is the scripture we're going to be reading about, the Israelites had been in exile. They had been exiled. Isaiah had told them that this was going to happen in the first 39 chapters of Isaiah. He had talked about, you're going to be exiled. And he talked about the judgment in which that they deserved and why they were going to get this exile that came to fruition through the Babylonians. But on the other side, he also talked about the hope that was coming. Judgment, but hope. The hope of the Messianic king who is coming to deliver 
all future generations. And so they had lived through this exile for a hundred years, and they were now free to go home to Jerusalem. So this was a time for them to cling to that hope, to start talking about that hope, to start preparing for the hope that was to come through this Messianic king. And I'm sure that the whole hundred years, they were clinging to that too, right? We sure would have. I want to visit our scripture today from chapter 40, verses 1 through 5, and also from verses 28 through 31. Hear the word of the Lord. Comfort, O comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hands double for all her sins. A voice cries out. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with, e- with wings like eagles. They shall, not ru- they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It would just be nice to sit in those words, wouldn't it? Just let them saturate our heart. Let those words comfort us where we are. And I love this. Because God, Isaiah just starts right out of the gate. Comfort, oh comfort, my people, says your God. He was giving these people who had gotten it wrong over and over and over again an opportunity to choose right. An opportunity to choose God. God did not give up on his people. It's so special, this line, because he starts off with my people. He's still claiming them. He's still seeking them. He still wants them to know that he is their God, your God. Indicating that special relationship of intimacy that comes when we seek God because he is always seeking us. God is still taking care of his people like he always has. Even today, just as he did then, with a very special kind of comfort, consoling. You know, I think about it as a parent. Chris and I try to have a a good balance of tough love, but also like, we love you, we don't want you to hurt kind of love. I like to say, suck it up, buttercup. Sometimes they don't like that. They don't want to do that. Most of the time they don't like that. But, but we think about it, and, and you know, when we console our kids and when we love on our kids, we absolutely want to take their pain away. We don't want them to hurt, unless they've made a decision that sort of warrants it. It's 
like, well, maybe hopefully you'll learn the lesson, right? That's the tough love part. But when we console them, we're offering them a comfort and a consolation that's not taking things away. It's not making it all better and perfect. It's just letting them know that we're there and that we care for them and that they're going to be taken care of. We want our kids to know that no matter what happens, and our grandkids, that we love them and that we're there with them. And that's exactly what God is doing here to the people of Israel. You've been through it. You had to serve in exile for 100 years, and you deserved it. But I am here, and I have been there. For those 100 years, I was there comforting you, just as I am today. When we have hope in Jesus, we know without a shadow of a doubt, when we know who he is and what he has done for us, that we are taken care of. We are cared for deeply. And if there's anything we need to learn from the Israelites, it's this. Don't place your hope in your circumstances. Don't place your hope in what's happening around you, to you, in the world. And that's exactly what the Israelites always did. That's how they always got into trouble. When things got tough, they gave up. They let go of God. They thought he had forsaken them. But God is making a way where there is no way. He's providing a way out when we don't see a way out. The Israelites couldn't wait. They didn't want to wait. They were impatient. They were putting their hope in other things because they didn't believe that God was still moving and at work because it wasn't on their time. You see, when our hope is founded in our circumstances, we forget who has promised to take care of us. We forget about the great I am. And so it's easy for us to place our hope or seek comfort in different places. But surely none of us do that. I wish I was preaching to the choir from the choir. We always place our hope in other things all the time because they're right there. We can get them quickly. And it could be a range of things, alcohol, drugs, shopping, food. We can place hope in our health. Well, at least I'm healthy. But that can go like that, can it? And then we're left unstable, worrying, losing hope. In our careers, we can invest everything we've got in our career. As long as I'm succeeding and checking those boxes, I'm good. We can invest our, our hope in the government, in institutions, in denominations, in traditions. As long as those things are stable, as long as those things are around, I'm going to be good. We are going to face uncertainty. There's going to be pain and illness and grief and loss. And we're going to make a bunch of bad choices that leave us with regret and guilt and shame even. But when we have chosen Christ, 
we have chosen hope. And the only reason we have that choice is because he has first chosen us. His love was first extended to us. And now we get to cling to it. And no matter how crazy we get over here, as soon as we turn our hearts to him, he's there offering his hope to us, reminding us that he never left us. You know, I mentioned that we're doing confirmation today and we have lots of baptisms and I love it because I love the water. I love thinking about my own baptism and what the Holy Spirit does through the water. The simple element that is everywhere. God did that for a reason. He did that so that we would remember whose we are. He would remember that Jesus died for us and now we are no longer bound by our sin. We are free. We are free to live. We're free to choose something different. We're free to live in the hope, the hope that God will never fail us and never leave us, never forsake us, that he has a plan and that plan is happening and we get to be a part of it. We get to join him in the kingdom work he is already doing right now. This water reminds us what we are waiting for. Yes, we have this great anticipation for Christmas morning to wait and celebrate the birth of Christ, that he has come already. But we also are reminded that we are waiting for him to return. We are waiting for him to return. And because of that, we get to live that hope out loud. Hope is a tangible thing. It's a tangible thing. It's something we can touch because hope comes through the people of God offering ourselves to him in whatever way we can help that kingdom be built. When we know Jesus and we know he never wavers, we can make the choice to serve others, to love others, to love ourselves the way that God loves us. His plan is still unfolding He's still working. And because of that, we got to act. We got to move. God is moving. We got to go. We got to do. Not because we have to earn it. We have to do because we want to share it. We want other people to experience this as well. We look back on the scriptures and we look back on the word. And we see that no matter what was happening through every story, God was making a way. We look back on our own story and we see the thread of God moving throughout it all, making it work for his good. And when we do that today, right now, we can live in a way that shows that hope, knowing that God is going to meet us there. And do what God does, which is the impossible, the thing we didn't expect. And what does this look like? What does hope look like for us to live out loud? There's lots of ways. Here's a few. We have an angel tree out there. 
Lots of kids. We still have about 70 items left to take. I know, we're already expended. Our time is already crazy. The money, we're already trying to figure out how we're going to get the gifts that we have to give. But this is a wonderful opportunity to stretch ourselves, to allow God to be God in this moment, to share a gift with a child who could experience hope and the joy of Christmas morning with some small gifts when they probably wouldn't have the chance otherwise. You could sign up to read a devotional for our Upward program. It's already written. You're just sharing the good news. It's already written for you. In the meantime, talk to a family or two. You never know how God's going to move in that interaction that we have with families. It may be the one thing that provides the opportunity for them to come and plug in and be a part of our, our community so that they can help us grow and we can help them grow as disciples in Christ. Our children's ministry is in great need. It's growing, and that is awesome. But we need people to help with that. And eventually, when Chris and I finally let him go, there's going to be a really cute little baby back there that needs all kinds of love. Just saying. Our children are the future of this church. We have seen the numbers. We know Christianity declining. Families not coming to church. They're not plugged in. They're not discipling. They don't know God. When we have them here, we need to love on them and extend the love of Christ in any way that we can. The future of God's church depends on what we do right now with the children that we have. Look at this. We have seven kiddos on our front row that are starting this beautiful, wonderful, difficult journey of being disciples for Christ. And it's not easy. We love on them. We surround them. We encourage them and we support them and their parents through that. Hope lived out loud means that we drop everything. We drop everything. And we seek the kingdom first. You're going to make it to the meeting in time if you've got to stop. You're going to get to worship if you're back there helping with the kids, because guess what? That is worship. You're serving God. That is worship. You're going to get that work done. It's going to be there. We drop everything, and we seek the kingdom first, and we say yes to God where he's leading us to go, because there's hope that he's going to work it all out for his good. Hope may feel really hard to come by right now. But we're not alone in that. Pick any story in the Bible and you're going to find lots of hopeless situations. This is nothing new. But for us Christians, for us disciples, all we have to do is speak the name of Jesus. And hope will abound. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your faithfulness. We thank you that you're a God who never gives up on us, that you are guiding with us, that you are walking along with us, 
that you have given us, your great gift of Jesus Christ. That through him, through your Holy Spirit, we can face whatever it is that's coming our way with hope of knowing that your work is being done and your kingdom has come. God, we love you so much and we pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.